Have you ever heard of Wading University? <laughs> I know you were wondering there, what is he doing? <laughs> it's not too bad when you're waiting while the piano is playing. <laughs> I almost said, Sister Don, don't play. Don't play. The moment you were conceived, you were enrolled in Wading University. You have to wait nine months to be born. You have to wait three months to start smiling. <laughs> you have to wait five months to hold up your head and sit up straight. You have to wait seven months to start crawling. You have to wait 10 months to barely begin to eat on your own. You have to wait 12 months to start walking. You have to wait two years to barely begin to speak coherently. You know how it is before. <laughs> Juliet, you have to wait 10 years to become a pathfinder. You have to wait 16 years to get a, a permit. You have to wait 21 years to get a real driver license. And you're considered an adult. And you have to wait 10 seconds until Netflix loads up. So do you want me to keep going? Do, do you want me to prove to you that we are, whether you want it or not, enrolled in waiting? So what's the hurry? <laughs> By now, you know, for those of you who are already at least five years old, by now you know that life is nothing but wait. So we should be used to, right? Why are we used to waiting? Why are we in such a hurry all the time? Our title today will be something such as learning to wait. But not only learning to wait. Here are my two things that I'm going to bring to you this morning. We're going to learn to wait with, with what? And what else? Because as far as I know, waiting is never joyful. But if we're going to graduate from waiting university, we've got to change the way we've been waiting. We've got to change. Let's pray. Father, 
You are a master waiter. <laughs> You've been waiting for us six thousand years. And when you ask us to wait for one day, we cannot. So, Lord, this is a feeble human attempt to learn something that it is so hard, so difficult, so beyond our humanity, yet so needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, don't ask me why. I don't know. I'm not a God, nor pretend to know the mind of God. But one thing I realized the moment the fall came into this planet, when Adam and Eve sinned, God decided to embrace waiting as one of his favorite tools to teach you about him. Amen. Don't ask me why. But he pulled it out of his sleeve and says, from now on, humans are going to wait. Because that's the only way they're going to know who I am, and that's the only, the only way they know how to become like me. After all, God is a master waiter. It's a master waiter. Let me give you some examples. I love finding role models. How many of you have role models? Let me see your hands. Role models. I mean, we all do have role models, whether they're good role models or not. But we all look after someone. So I want to become just like these people in the Bible that were champions, that they, 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 they have their names in the, in the Hall of Fame in, in, in Hebrews and, 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 and these people and, and the first one I encounter as a role model and the father of faith, his name is Abraham. Yes. And Abraham have to wait how many years? He have to wait 20 long five years for the promise. 25 years, that's a long wait. But here's what the Bible describes him waiting. The Bible says here, then Abraham, read with me church, then Abraham what? Waited. How did he wait? Patiently. And he received what God had promised. I looked for another waiter and I found Jacob. You know, and for those of us who have been in a hurry to get married, oh, believe me, that's a long way. That's a way we don't want to do. You know, but here is Jacob wanting to marry the woman of his dreams. And how, how many years did he have to wait? The Bible says that he had to wait seven long years. And so Jacob worked how many years? Seven years to pay for whom? For Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him that weighed. Seemed to him. But what? You know, friends, when you graduate from Wade University, long time seems like a few days. I want to get there. How many of you? I want to get to the point in my life that the waiting is not treacherous anymore because I had graduated with honors from Wade University. And all that long wait. I'm in my heart. I'm in not a hurry, you know, I just, I'm calm 
down. I'm, I'm just taking my time. I look another model here, and his name is Joseph. Joseph waited for 20 years. For what? He waited for 20 years to understand the nonsense that happened to him. I mean, all his life after he was sold as a slave, I wonder he was, why? How many of you have asked why? Let me see your hands. Any of you have ever asked why? 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 And here's Joseph, why? My brothers tell me why. I'm a slave. Why? I tried to do my best. This woman, she, I mean, this woman betrayed me. Why? 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 20 years. And I have a feeling that some of you are here waiting to understand the nonsense that had happened to you. And yet, to this point, you have no clue. And in the last chapter of Genesis 50, the last chapter is like the goodbyes of Joseph. We don't hear about Joseph anymore. Finally, he gets it. Here it is. Genesis 50, 20. He says to his brothers, you intended to what? To harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. And here's the line. <laughs> it took 20 years for those three-letter sentence. What is it? Saving of many people. Why didn't God explain that to me 20 years ago? <laughs> because God is a master waiter. And he wants you to develop a skill of his likeness. And the, other, the only way to do that is he See, we'll put you to wait. Another character to revise here is Caleb and Joshua. They waited. How many years did they wait? They waited 40 years to enter the promised land. I mean, these guys were ready. If I were God, you know what I would have done? And I said, the rest of you burn hell, burn, burn hell. But, you know, <laughs> Joshua and Caleb, come on, bye, come on. You're not waiting. You are the cream of it. You know, I'm going to bring you in. But you know, why did God, quote unquote, punish Caleb and Joshua with 40 years of waiting? Because God uses waiting as the greatest tool to learn to know who he is, how he works, and to become like him. Now, my favorite one, watch this. Some of you are like, nobody has ever waited more than me. <laughs> I know some of you are there like, you know, none of them. I was pastoring a lady that come to me and she says, Pastor, I have been waiting 60 years for my husband to be baptized. Yeah. 60 years! But even that lady who is resting peace in the Lord today, this one tops them all. Hannah, or Anna, the prophetess. She waited 84 long years. The Bible says Anna was a what? A widow of about how old she was? About 84 years who did not depart from where? From the temple, but served God. Underline that. Serve God with what? Fasting and prayers. How often? Night and date. Yeah. What was she waiting for? Friends, tell me out. She was waiting for the Messiah. 
I know some of you here, I know some of you are not getting any younger. <laughs> I know some of you are not getting any younger. Some of you have been waiting for Jesus 40, 50, 60 years. Who's the oldest here today? Come on, don't be ashamed to say, I'm the oldest here. I've been waiting 60. How many of you? Any, any, anyone? 70 years. Uh, there it is. Oh, no afraid of that, Janet. You've been waiting. We've been waiting. But have you been waiting 84 yet? Hang on. You got some more waiting to do. <laughs> some more waiting to do. Because that is exactly how you, she graduates with a PhD in waiting. PhD in waiting. So what have you been waiting for, my friend? Tell me. In your mind. I'm going to read your mind. I'm going to read your mind. What have you been waiting for? So definitely we want to enter, how do we learn to wait? Now we realize that waiting is part of life. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, waiting is part of life. Come on, tell him, tell him, tell him, somebody, tell somebody. Waiting is part of life. And tell that person, and we are classmates. Tell him, and we are classmates. We are classmates. We're classmates. We are in this. We're, and you know the, the sad part about going to this school? There's no recess. <laughs> Sorry about it. There's no lunch breaks. You have to continue to wait. Because the way we're going to understand God and become like God is through waiting. So I am so grateful for our church. Because this week, as I was reviewing the Sabbath school lessons, I realized that they use one of my tutors. I have a tutor. I need someone to teach me how to wait. Because, you know, you ask my kids and my wife, I am the worst waiter that they had ever met. <laughs> and I'm sorry for them. And I apologize to my kids all the time. And, and, and I said, do not become like me. <laughs> but you know what's the bad news? They're becoming like me. That's the bad news. Sorry, kids. You know, we, we teach our kids. We're impatient. Hey, don't slap that child when he's impatient. Slap yourself. <laughs> you taught him how to be impatient. All right? So I, I'm a bad way. So I need tutors. I need to learn. I need to, I need to find out who can teach me. I want to learn to be like Jesus. I want to learn to understand God. I need to understand how do we do this, God, please. Because as far as I know, I may still have some waiting to do. And I want to do it with joy and purpose. With joy and purpose. So I found this guy. This guy, really, um, he, he had to do some waiting. And, and you're going to hear just a second here, because his waiting was not a VIP type of waiting, you know? You know, remember, you go to the airport. Have any of you been at the airport, right? Some of you who fly high class, you know, you got these little cards, you know. And I always envy these people who have this, you know, I don't have it. You know, here I am, delay, delay, cancel, cancel, cancel. And here I am in that very uncomfortable chair, you know. And I go to the bathroom and I see this, this like, he almost looks like a, like a, ta-da, a room. Allow only for those who wait VIP, you know. They have showers, they have food, they have massage therapy, they have TVs, they have, they have anything there. And here I am waiting on the other side. You know, 
This guy we're about to talk, he was not a VIP. His wedding was one of the hottest wedding he ever experienced. Let me, let me tell you who he is. David. Say with me, David. And out of David, I discovered four lessons. Four lessons that will teach us how to wait. How to wait. Now, here's how he begins. He's minding his own business. He's a, he's a lad. He's a, he's a young it's a young lad. He's a young lad. I mean, the, the theologians have a, you know, they, they still have not an agreement how old was David when he was called, anointed to be a king. You know, well, people suggest he was around 15, 14, 15, but he was right around there. Because his brother says, you know, why don't you go and take care of those small sheep over there? So lad, small, young people, teenagers were the ones taking care of the small sheep. They didn't have a big, but they had small sheep, you know, small group of sheep. And so Samuel comes, and I love this introduction to the life of David after he waits for the right moment to invite him into the group of his brothers. Read with me, 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, Then Samuel took, what did it take? The horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. You know what, friends? I'm going to be honest with you. I realize I do not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to have it. I've been waiting for that. Now, David, at the age of whatever, 15, 14, 16, he gets it. He gets the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was with him from that day forward. Now, let me ask you something. If you had the Holy Spirit, can you become a king, yes or no? You got what you need. You have the most Needed element to be successful. You have what? The Holy Spirit. How do we know the Holy Spirit is everything? Well, look at the disciples. They were a bunch of rambunctious, rebellious, not, didn't know anything about life. And until after the 40 days, they go to 10 days in the upper, uh, upper room, they get the Holy Spirit and they change the world. Before the Holy Spirit, they were just lost. Completely lost. So I believe that David is ready to be a king. How do I know that? Well, because in the Bible, we have people who's been king younger than David. Give me an example. Who was his name? Josiah. Eight years old, and he's a king. You know? So we know that, that the Bible has had kings younger than David. So David could be a king. So we're, not, we're waiting now. We're going to wait. We're going to wait now. All right, king. Hmm, wait. Well, I heard he's going to be... I heard that he's going to become a king in three months. We're excited. We're making little preparations. Three months passed. Ten months passed. A year passed. Five years passed. Ten years. Well, there's also a debate. How long did David have to wait to become a king? And what I'm saying, when he became a full king, because he started out a little bit with Hebron. Just, he, he was a little king, partial king. He was not a full king. Then he had to wait seven years until he became a full king. But at least, according to theologians, and there are still some debates on that, it is suggested that David had to wait about 20 years to finally be acknowledged and recognized as the legitimate king of the entire land of Israel. And now half of that waiting was treacherous, at least. At least for 10 years, he was persecuted by this mad vicious, crazy king, whose name was what? Saul. Saul. King Saul. So that's where we get a little lesson there. How did this guy wait all this time 
and he did it with joy and purpose. He starts telling us in chapter 40, verse 1, he says, <laughs> ready with me, this is a hard one to read. I waited, what? Patiently for what? For the Lord. For the Lord. Now we know that David did not wait as a VIP. He was not sent to an island in the Pacific with food and entertainment. Because if that would have been the case, I can wait all the way. I, <laughs> I can wait all, all I can. But, but, you know, he was hiding in caves. He was running away from a mad king. Running away from a mad king. So while you wait, what do we do while you wait? Because now we, we are ready... We already, we already have it all clear. Do we have it clear? Yeah. Our life as Christians is a life of what? Waiting. waiting. Right? Are you, are, you, are you with me? Some of you are like, I'm waiting for you to hurry up, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> it's about 1230. I'm waiting for you to finish that sermon. <laughs> See, I told you, life as a Christian is a waiting. You're waiting for the preacher to end the sermon. You know, so hang on. I'm going to give you the tools how to wait for me with joy and purpose. Is that good? All right, so while you wait, so now we know that David is ordained, David is anointed as king. He's what? If I was David, I go around and says, I'm the king. Don't you know I'm the king? Put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram. I'm the king. Samuel, Samuel, hold on, hold on a second. Can you put the oil again one more time? Selfie. Push it into my followers and say, I'm the king. I am the king. Well, no. This is not what David does. It is very interesting when you read this story. It says that David, went, he went back to shepherd. Like nothing has ever happened. Now, we don't read anything else what was in David's mind. I wish I could just. But there is a Bible verse that gives an insight. Of what David could have been doing right after he became anointed king. Not king yet, but the waiting began. And the story goes something like this. You can read it later on, you know, in, in, um, in 1 Samuel uh, 16, when, when after he's anointed. We don't know the time. It could have been two years, three years in between. We don't know the time. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna assume there's some time there. Then King Saul gets this 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 this. Um, depression spells. Remember the story? He gets like, mm, he cannot go to sleep. He's, he's all anxious. He's, he's, he's trying everything. You know, he's trying plant-based. He's trying coffee. He's trying everything, you know, to, to soothe himself. But, but nothing is working, you know. And, and finally, after that, somebody suggests, hey, what, what, why don't we bring some entertainment for you? You know, something who plays good and then might help you to calm down. Now, here's, here's an insight. And I am a strong believer that this is a description of what David began to do with his life after he was anointed. Watch this. Write this down. David now knows that he's been chosen to be a king. And he says, you know what? If I'm going to become a king, I better do something with my life. Because remember, he was only 15, 14. Uh, some suggest that he was as young as 13. I mean, what, what do you know when you're a teenager? Oh, well, sorry, teenagers. 
You know everything when you're a teenager, right? <laughs> so he now, he says, I, I got to do something with my life. I'm going to become king. And God didn't tell me when, so it could be next week. So I better hurry up. And notice how this has been described. After that episode, someone describes David. It could have been two years later after he was anointed. We don't know. But here's how he described Read it with me. 1 Samuel 16, 18. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen whom? A son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is what? Woo! Something happened after that anointing. The Holy Spirit is with him, of course. He has a special anointing. Now he's developed some skills. And he says he's skillful in playing. But not only that, what else is he? Building reputation. He's a mighty man of what? Valor. Okay, wait a minute. If I'm going to become a king, I want to be known as a man of valor. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be known as this 13-year-old who always have the tempting tantrums. You know, I want to make sure that I'm known as somebody who is qualified to be what? King, man of valor. What else does it say? A man of what? what? Well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe the next, in the next that last of times, you know, he volunteered. Maybe he, he did volunteer. You know, something. That, he's building some reputation. And, 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 and some of you say, oh, but he already went to Goliath. No, this story here happens. He hasn't been with Goliath yet. He's, 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 he's that yet to come. And, and what else description there says? He is a prudent in what? In oh, my. He makes it a good king. Prudent in speech. And what else, ladies? He's what? He's handsome. A person. And the Lord is what? Woo! What a reputation he's building. Amen? So what is your reputation today? What have you been doing in the last two, three, four, ten years while you've been waiting? And you've been wasting yourself out just waiting for that thing to happen and mad at everybody, mad at God, mad at your wife, mad at your husband, mad at your kids, mad at your boss because it's not happening yet. Or are you building up your skills? Are you building up your reputation? Because when the moment comes, yes. it'll determine if your skills and reputation are for the job yes. or somebody else will take the job. So why you wait, develop skills. Why you wait, develop a good reputation. So when the moment comes, they say, he is the one. Turn to someone next to you and tell him, you are the one. Come on, tell me, help me out. You are the one. You are the one. You are the one. Yes, you are the one. Now let me talk to my teenagers here. All of you who are teenagers, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Teenagers. Ah, I love this teenager. Ah, look how big that. Teenagers, raise your hand. Hood. There's another one. Hood. All right. Now, teenagers. Pass due, bro. There's some expiration, uh, expiration in that label right there. <laughs> so, teenagers. While you wait, because you know, a teenager's wait is like treasures. You have to be waiting for everything. Mom, can I do it? No, not yet. Mom, can I go? No, not yet. Dad, can I drive? No, not yet. You know, waiting, I mean, it's like, really? Do I have to? Well, why you wait? Let me tell you a story about this young man. His name is Fraser Doherty. What's his name? This picture here is a real picture, was taken of him when he was about 16, 17 years old. He's still a teenager. 
Now, while he's waiting, you know, he's, he's waiting. He's in the game of life, waiting, you know, to grow up. Great, waiting to get a permit, waiting to become an adult. He says, Grandma, while I'm waiting, I want to learn to make fruit jams. Fruit jams. <laughs> What's the last time you even thought about it? <laughs> fruit jams, of all things. But Grandma's fruit jams were always very delicious. People all wanted them. And he says, Mom, Grandma, I want to learn. And then Grandma says, sure, here are my recipes. And he begins to learn. I put them all together. And he goes to church. And he says to the brother and sisters, I'm, I'm selling fruit jam. You want some? Uh, maybe you should. Wow, this is great. So his fruit jams became famous in his church, in the community. And within two years, the demand was so great that he spread out in stores in UK and Ireland and the most prestigious uh, 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 supermarket chain of, of some of you who are UK, I think it's called Sainsbury. And that's when he was 17. Today he's 32 years old. And this man is $20 million worth, his worth. Because while he waited, he said, I'm going to develop a skill. As simple as making fruit jams. So what are you doing while you're waiting, Ethan? What are you doing while you're waiting? What? You know, let me tell you something. You're becoming very skillful with the thumbs. I know most teenagers are very skillful with the thumbs. You know, it's like, but let me tell you something, folks. You know, life is not about moving your thumbs only. I'm not, I'm not bashing video games. I, you know, I, I, I grew up with Atari. Remember that Atari? Atari? My kids yesterday found an Atari in Kroger's. And they sent me a video. So I look at that, Atari. You know, they were playing Atari. You know, it's like Pac-Man. Right, remember at least on that one, we have to use our full hands. You know? Yeah. I'm not, you know, play video games. But besides that, what other skills are you learning? Yeah. How are you preparing yourself to become a millionaire? You know what I love to, 15 years from now, I love to come back and preach a sermon here and have some of you pictures right there. Yeah. Because someone decided to learn a skill at a young age and become a, the next millionaire in Garland Faith Community. Amen. And we'll finally buy the church we've been waiting for. Amen. Are you getting the picture, friends? While you wait, number two, while you wait, write this down. While you wait, we'll learn from David that not only he learned to, to build up the skills, but while, while he wait, he avoided quick fixes and shortcuts. Oh, let me tell you, folks, uh, this is the hardest part. Because when you are uh, up to here and you cannot wait anymore, you are going to be tempted to find any shortcuts, any quick fixes, because you're fed up. And we all have been there. I know we all have. How do we learn that from David? Watch the story. It comes from that persecution time. Now, now Saul is He's just full blown after him. Full armies persecuting David. And David is running from one place to another, hiding from caves. And he goes to a place and says, Saul, Saul is coming. So he runs away, hides in another cave. Saul is coming. He goes to another, Saul is coming. And the poor guy is just, you know, everywhere. And so one day, he hears Saul is coming. So he hides in this cave. And when he waits until the, the, the end of the day, at night, 
he just starts to come out of the cave just to see maybe is it, is it safe for me to start running. And as he's coming out of the cave, guess what? He finds the entire army of Saul and Saul himself is sleeping right on the ground. Sleeping. What an opportunity to end this madness and become king to death. What an opportunity, right? And then um, you got people that helps you to think that this is the right moment to do it. Watch this. Look what his servant tells him. Abishai says to David, read it with me. Abishai says to David, today, watch this, and he uses God. Today God has what? Delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me what? Beat him to the ground. With one thrust of the spear, I won't strike him. What? Woo! How could I resist such an invitation? And it's from the Lord. <laughs> you know, we do that all the time. We bring God into the picture to appease our conscience. <laughs> but is it really the Lord? And you know what? You don't have to be a prophet or a son of a prophet or a daughter of a prophet. You know it's not the Lord. Because you have no peace. There is something about it. You're like, shall I do it? Shall I not do it? Shall I buy it? Shall I sell it? Shall I not? I don't know. Shall I? And you call all your friends and say, shall I? They say, yes. Some say, no. And you're in that sea of confusion. When you are in the sea of confusion, it is not God's timing. Because God is not a God of what? A confusion. And David knew it right in his heart. I love what comes next because we, we, really, um, we, we really just do this all the time to ourselves. Um, <clears throat> we really think that this is the right time. Um, and, and notice what David answers. And David said to Abishai, wow, wow, wow. I, I, you know, honestly, I read that story many times. Not until this time I, I discovered this. Watch this. Don't what? Destroy him. Who can what? Lay hand on what? Now, you, you, you read that one before. How many of you read that one before? It's very common. But you know what? I had never finished the sentence. You know, we do that a lot with the Bible. Yes? We read certain portions and we don't finish. And then we get this idea and we say, it's the Lord. No, you have to read the whole thing. Notice how he continues. He says, as surely, read with me, folks, as surely, as what? <laughs> as surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself, not me, not you, the Lord himself, what? Will strike him, or his time will come, and he will die, or he will go into battle, and what? Wow. Can we all say wow? Because this is a man who is graduating with honors in Wayne University because he knows how to wait on the Lord. He knows how to wait on the Lord. Are you feeling lonely and desperate? <laughs> Avoid quick fixes. Do not get married, please, when you're in a hurry. That's a quick fix. 
You're going to hurt you. Avoid illegitimate sexual content. Did I say illegitimate? Because there is a very legitimate sexual experience. Oh, yes. And all the married people say yes. yes. And all the singles say hmm. It's not your time. You gotta wait on the Lord. But you know, we take shortcuts. We justify everything when we know it's the time of the Lord. Don't take shortcuts. Don't 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 quick fixes will eventually hurt you. Do you want something so badly that is making you obsessed and restless? You, you, you're waking up thinking about it. You're going to bed thinking about it. You're, you, you, you're tweeting about it. You're, you're talking about it. You're, you, you're reading about it. You, don't buy. Don't sell when you're obsessed about something. It's a quick fix. Don't make financial decisions when you're obsessed. It's going to hurt you. You know what? I discovered that when I've done things under the pressure of obsession, and I bring the Lord into the picture, and I do it, that thing that I wanted so badly, that dream that I wanted to be fulfilled in my life, and I make it happen, that dream, after being a dream, becomes a nightmare. Nightmare. And you go like... And you know, that's a trick. that The enemy knows how to, how to hurry you up, because when you hurry... When you hurry and you make these decisions in a hurry, you know what's going to happen? You start hating God. You hate yourself. You hate yourself for it. And you blame God. Says, God, you should stop me. Why do you prevent this? And then you quit altogether in your faith. Are you feeling fed up about relationships? Situation at home. David teaches us to avoid retaliation, avoid getting even. Find legitimate, healthy ways to calm yourself down. Find legitimate, what? Ways. You know that there are legitimate ways to calm yourself down? Yes? You know there are? Yeah, there are legitimate ways to calm yourself down. Find them. Find help. Find a counselor. Here's your pastor. A godly friend, a prayer warrior, a good book, exercise. Find legitimate ways to calm yourself, yourself down. Because if you don't calm yourself down, you will start making these quick fixes and these things are going to hurt your life. Lesson number three. While you wait. While you wait. Now we already know. Let's review. What is lesson number one? While you wait, what should I be doing? Develop skills and what else? Develop a good reputation. Walk in your reputation. Number two? Avoid quick fixes. Avoid shortcuts. Number three. Now here it is. David's still running. He's running away from, <laughs> running away from King Saul. He's running away. We don't know. It could have been ten years. Five years. We don't have a specific, but we know it was a long time. And while he's running away, he just left Gath. Because he heard that Saul is coming. 
he gets this text or message or email. I don't know how he got it. But here's what he gets. Watch this. He gets this text. Read it with me. One day, one day, news came to David that what? The Philistines were where? At Kayla, stealing grain from what? Threshing floor. So let me ask you something, folks. When you are in your own world waiting and struggling, do you have any time to be worrying about somebody else's problems? Is that, is that you? I mean, how many of you really is like, we need, a, we need deaconesses and deacon in church. Got no time right now. I have, I have so much stuff in my platter. Come on. Come on. Do I have any witness right here? We need people to get involved in church and Dorcas in community service. We need people for Pathfinder. We need people for... Not right now. Right now, it's way too much. You have no idea. I have to figure my life out. And, and when I get my life all together, I will do something for the Lord. You know, David had all the reasons in the world not to get involved. I'm running. <laughs> I'm trying to save my life. What does this problem with the Philistines and Caleb have to do with me? That could have been David's answer if it was me. Or you. I know you. I pastored you for eight years. <laughs> but notice how David... Notice how David answers to this reality. He questions nothing. He answers. Read it with me. I love this moment. He reads. He answers. What did he say? David what? Ask the Lord and says, should I go and attack them? I mean, this is a valid question. I've been persecuted. Saul is just only a few blocks away. Should I get distracted helping these people? And what the God says? Yes, go and save Kayla. The Lord told him, for I will what? Help you conquer the Philistine. Mm, I learned one more thing from my tutor, David. You do not follow your feelings about something, whether it's a good opportunity or a bad opportunity. You don't ask Google. You don't ask your wife. I'm just kidding. You ask your wife. Ask your wife, please, all the time. You know, but... David's thing is, he goes and he runs directly to whom? God. He's like, God, here, here, here's something. Uh, whew, this, is, this, is, this is not a good time to be involved in helping people. I have a lot. But I don't want to do my own will. I want to know, is this the way of the Lord? Can we all say together with me, this, this, say this with me. Is this the way of the Lord? Lord, is this what you want me to do? Stop for a second. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't matter how good the opportunity may seem. Even if it seems like, yes, the Lord is in it, just still pause. Ask. When you ask God for directions, you know that there, there, are, there, are, there are at least, I counted the other day, about 12 times or 10 to 12 times in, 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 in the story of David where he says, and David inquired. From the Lord. And David inquired. Many occasions David is doing things. He always says. And David what? 
And you know when is the only time he did not inquire? When he saw Bathsheba. You read that? And he says, and David asked to his commanders, who is this woman? See what happens when you depend on men's opinion first? They will mislead you. But when he started depending on God and said, I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to ask God. And some of you said, like, but how do I hear from God? I've been praying to God and he says nothing to me. Peace I shall give unto you. The Holy Spirit will speak to your soul. And if you're truly sincere waiting on the Lord, you will hear the voice of God. Not an audible voice, not I'm, I'm here, do this, but, but, but it'll be a subtle, quiet inspiration that tells you this is the right time. Or stop, stop a little. Finally, lesson number four. Trivia, trivia question. Trivia question. How many psalms did David write? How many psalms? A lot. This will sound like an answer from a teacher. A lot. A lot. David wrote 75 psalms out of the 150. A lot of people think that he wrote the entire book of psalms. No, he did not. 75, right in the middle. And a lot of the 75 psalms, not all of them, but a lot of them were written in this 10-year period while he was being persecuted by King Saul. And no wonder why we feel so drawn to the book of Psalms when we're in trouble, right? Yes. You're in trouble and you find these Psalms and they soothe you, they help you. Because David learned one thing, while you wait, you worship. Amen? Yes. While you wait, you what? I don't understand, God. I don't understand what you're trying to do. This doesn't make whatsoever sense. I'm about my wit's end. I'm about to go crazy. I'm about to lose my mind. But the only thing that's going to keep, keep me sane is that I'm going to worship a God that I know what he's doing. And I want to learn to wait on the Lord. I'm going to learn to wait on God. Because I know that at the end, he has a triumph that he's going to hand unto me. In the meantime, I ain't going to tell him, well, I worship God. You don't even know what you're doing, but I'm worshiping you anyway. Do you think that God cannot handle that? Just tell God that he doesn't know what he's doing. But at the end of that, you say, but I still worship you. He knows you're human. He knows you're blindfolded. He knows that your capacity to see beyond your nose is impossible. So he is going to take your fuel attempts to worship him. Because he knows that at the end of the day, you're choosing God once again. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. We can worship while we wait. Let me close with a story. Story from a family who decided to go to... Um, 
lake day. I love lake days. But this lake was somehow a little murky. It was not like Texas lakes, who are so clear. It was murky. And so they pitched their tent right next to the lake area. There is a dock. They had the little canoe there. So they woke up in the morning. And then uh, the kids, of course, they want to go and play by the lake. And so the father says, I'm going to be doing something here, getting ready for the day. And he asked um, Julian to take care of his brother, Ronnie. Julian was 12. Ronnie was 3. And he says, make sure you keep an eye. Keep an eye on your brother. Keep an eye on your brother. So the father is entertained, doing some things. And like any 12-year-old, he got distracted. <laughs> and Ronnie wandered away, and he went to the dock, and he saw the canoe there, and he's thinking, I've done this before with my parents. I get into the canoe. And you know what that is, a 3-year-old, very short legs. So he, he puts one leg in, in one of the canoes, and, one, and the canoe, and the other leg in the dock. And what happens at that moment? The canoe's separates and right into the waters. And at that moment, that alerted um, Julian, that brother has fallen into the water. And, and he says, Dad, Dad, Ronnie, Ronnie fell into the water. And so the dad moves and he saw the little splashes going up. And so the little splashes going up. And when he gets to the dock, he sees nobody. No running to be found. So he dives into the lake, murky lake. And he's desperately trying to touch the bottom of the lake. Going around desperately trying to see where is. Where is running? He gets out of the water like any desperate father to see there's a sign of running. No sign of running. So he gets back into the water, into the lake, touching, trying to find desperately. And he gets closer to the, the being that is, that is holding up the deck. And, and then he touches something bulky. And he realizes it's Ronnie. But Ronnie is on the water about three feet down. He's hanging, hanging into one of the beans on the water. Holding into that bean for his life. So the father grabs him, holds him up, and they all come out of the water. And of course, whole family desperate. They bring it on top. He gets some water out of his lungs, but he's alive. So when the adrenaline just adrenaline just settles, Ronnie's able to speak. The father looks at his son. I'm so happy you're alive. He says, but why? Why? What were you doing? Under the water, holding into that beam. Ronnie looks at his daddy. I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you. Deep within my heart, I know you've won. I know you overcome. Even in the dark, 
when I'm undone, I still believe it. I live by faith and not by sight. Sometimes miracles take time. I live by faith and not by sight. Sometimes miracles take time. While I wait, I will worship. Lord, I worship your name. While I wait, I will trust you. Lord, I'll trust you all the Have the answer 
have a feeling I'm speaking to someone here this morning that is in that period of David's time. Treasure is waiting. And you are at a wit's end. And my prayer is, and the prayer of many who are praying right now, right from this church, a strong, prayer word team that has been praying for you today. You're going to renew the strength, and you're going to say, Lord, teach me. I want to weigh with joy and purpose. So I'm going to pray with you this morning. Whether it is you, whether it is you, or there's only one person, if there's only one person who needs this prayer, so you can remain peaceful and calm, and you rediscover waiting through the story of David, your life, your marriage, your career, your life, Overall, is going to change drastically. Well, we'll become master waiters and become like Jesus. Is there someone here that's going to come here with me in prayer? Right here. I'm going to wait for you right here in the front. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to say, I want to pray. This is me. This is my story. I want to pray. I want the power to wait, Lord. Maybe some of you were about to just do some quick fixes and some shortcuts. You're right on time. But even if you have, we serve a Redeemer God. We serve a God who says, hold my hands. Even though you're taking a detour on your own, I know how to take you back on track. Hold my hands. Learn how to wait with joy and purpose. Father, you know the story of every brother, every sister, every young person here, every visitor, every friend that is standing up, that is coming to you right now. And even if they're sitting, I know their hearts are burning because there's been such a long wait. And it's been... It's been the hardest thing you ask us to do. But Father, we thank you that we're worshiping a God who is a master waiter. If someone knows the pain of waiting is you, so we surrender our pain of waiting right now, Lord. We surrender our desperation. We surrender to you our anger, our frustration, our madness. We surrender to you, Lord. Even our own thoughts. We surrender to your cynicism. We surrender to you, Lord, everything right now. We don't know how much more until we graduate from Wayne University. But one thing is certain because I make the decision. We make the decision this morning. We will graduate in Jesus' name. Amen. And we will be victorious. Amen. And on that day, we will hear the voice of our Lord saying, Well done. Well done. Good and faithful waiter. Enter into this eternal joy 
eternal joy that will be for those who learned to wait on the Lord. Amen. We ask all these, we pray all these, we beg all this in the mighty, powerful, only omnipotent name of Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus, our Lord, and God's people say, Be you renewed in Jesus' name until we meet again.